Welcome to Full Disclosure here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Each week we check in with David Greising, President and CEO of the Better Government Association, to take a, an in-depth look at how government is functioning and whether it's functioning in your interests. And for months now, David, we have been checking in saying, oh, nah, nothing really happening on the budget, not much moving on ethics, and not a lot happening. And then, of course, in about a 24-hour period, Everything gets done all at once to one degree or another. In other words, a typical spring session for the General Assembly. Good morning, David Greising. Right. Good morning, Jim. Glad to be with you. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the change in leadership in Springfield with uh, still a relatively new governor, first-term governor, uh, first-time Speaker of the House, Chris Welch. Uh, Senate President Don Harmon is just a couple years into his job. Um and uh, the, the more things change, the, the more they stay the same. Uh, it was the last minute flurry of activity uh, with outcomes that, frankly, a lot of voters will be disappointed about, especially with regard to ethics. Um, the budget uh, passed, a uh, $42 billion budget. That's, uh, that's an improvement over the days of Governor Bruce Rauner, where we went almost two years without a budget. Uh, but it, it is this last minute rush where there's a lack of transparency, really, about what is happening and, and why these deals are made and what gets done in order to get these major pieces of legislation across the finish line. You know, we, we're used to uh, a budget uh, falling into place on the last day of session. It seems like it's always been done that way. Uh, but this year really did stand out in terms of just the uh, the size of the budget document, the short period of time when it was finally dropped on lawmakers' desks, and virtually no debate on it when they finally got around to debating uh, the, the bill in the House uh, just a few minutes until midnight. Uh, they had literally two people to speak on it, one in favor, one opposed, uh, and, and then the budget was approved. <laughs> and it just it's, right. it's a bizarre way to, uh, to, to put together a fiscal plan for a, a state the size of Illinois. Well, a state the size of Illinois with some significant fiscal problems that, uh, that endure uh, despite this budget. This budget, uh, without federal largesse, this budget would have serious problems. $2.5 billion of the spending plan is coming from the federal uh, American Rescue Plan. And uh, the, the state of Illinois will, as part of the budget, repay $2 billion it was, that was borrowed from the Federal Reserve during the height of COVID, the only state among 50 in the union uh, that needed to take advantage of that uh, uh, federal um, uh, capital that was made available to the states. Uh, you know, the, a couple good things, kind of promising things is one is, is the, the minimum obligations of the pension system uh, will be met, which is there are some years, obviously, when Illinois has not done that. And then Governor Pritzker did, in the last few weeks, make room for uh, education spending that he's obligated to make. But he had skipped that $350 million automatic increase each year uh, last year. And so this year, the, his original budget, he had not planned to do so. But because the economy has been stronger than expected, that $350 million additional spending for schools, K-12 through schools, uh, will happen. 
You know, and David, you make a really good point that were it not for the unprecedented level of federal spending through the American Rescue Plan that it funneled billions of dollars to the state, uh, we would be in, in much more dire straits. And so even though we have a budget that uh, may look actually fairly good on paper in terms of trying to pay down debt and try to pay down the, the backlog of bills and things, uh, it really does nothing to address the, the baked-in structural deficiency in our fiscal status here in Illinois. And uh, once that federal money is gone, those long-term problems will still remain. They will. And let's also not forget that uh, $655 million of the budget is coming from closing uh, business loopholes, as Governor Pritzker sees them. Uh, Republicans, uh, on the other hand, say these are really essentially tax increases on business. Uh, they're not really loopholes. In fact, a couple of the so-called loopholes were introduced by Governor Pritzker himself uh, in his first budget. So um, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, th there's a lot that uh, is not to like about this. Um, and it'll be a tough go next year Unless, of course, the economy continues to be as strong as it is, in which case that does create additional revenue, which can be the salve for a lot of problems that this state structurally faces. No doubt we will uh, have much more to say about the budget and how it will play out for weeks, months, indeed years to come. Uh, we don't know if we will be continuing to to debate ethics after lawmakers pushed through what uh, some Republicans are deriding as ethics light, although they did go ahead and vote for it. Most of them did. Uh, and will that uh, give lawmakers the opening to say, well, see, we did something. I guess our work here is done. David, I know this has been a top priority priority for the BGA. So uh, give us your quick assessment of the ethics legislation uh, that did get pushed through on Monday. Yeah I, yeah, I guess it's a it's a minor marginal improvement, but it's so far short of what the times have called for that it's a deep disappointment to anybody who believes in more accountable and transparent uh, government in the state of Illinois. Uh, there are improvements to the statements of economic interest that lawmakers need to file. There is the first time a ban on a lawmaker leaving his or her job and immediately becoming a lobbyist. But it's only a six-month ban, which is very, very weak. Uh, best practices are two years, and that's what we have advocated for. We're nowhere close to that and probably won't ever get to that based on the way things played out this time. Uh, there, there's a ban on fundraisers uh, in Springfield during the session. Uh, well, it, it's sort of common sense that you shouldn't be running fundraisers while you're in the middle of making uh, making laws in, in Springfield. But, uh, uh, you know, that's the sort of sort of window dressing that is done when really major changes, like, for example, strengthening the legislative inspector general's office, giving it true independence, giving it a reliable budget and the staff that it needs to do this work, um, uh, giving it subpoena power and the ability to launch investigations and report investigations without legislative oversight. None of that happened. Uh, those are the kinds of structural, meaningful reforms that need to happen in response to something like this major corruption wave that has hit the state of Illinois. Uh, there may be hope for better down the road, but frankly, if you can't get it done in a year like this, when you've got the, the federal, you know, Tim Mapes, House Speaker Mike Madigan's former chief of staff, was indicted during the last-minute sprint to the end of the legislative session. If you can't then uh, take that uh, take that kind of news and do something with it, uh, it bespeaks the difficulty 
of trying to clean up the state of Illinois. Yeah, and uh, and David, you, you wonder if there will be any appetite, any interest at all in continuing to forge ahead with this. Uh, this was a process that began before the pandemic, uh, beginning of, uh, of 2020. Uh, they you know set up this task force to start looking at it. Everything stalled because of the pandemic. As you noted, the situation's only gotten worse with more indictments and more um, uh, encroaching upon uh, some of the people who'd been the most powerful politicians in the state. It certainly is a wake-up call that says we have to do something to address ethics here. And if this is the best they could do in that climate, it, it seems unlikely that anybody's going to try to pick up that ball and advance it further down the field uh, come the fall or in the next spring legislative session. Right. Uh, you know, there, there were no champions for ethics reform this time around, and, and it's it's unlikely that any will emerge. Uh going forward. And so uh, groups like ours will need to be looking for those allies, will be need, need to be looking for uh, how to pick up the pieces and uh, push through a couple of targeted reforms. The BGA, we published 12 major reforms that should be uh, should be happening. We got half a loaf on about four or five of those and really nothing on some of the others. And so uh, we have a lot of work to do in finding allies in the legislature who will push this through is important. And frankly, it's a one-party state right now. With the Democrat supermajorities in both houses of the legislature, uh, the Republicans made a lot of noise during the session, but they really didn't get anything serious done. And as you pointed out, almost all of them lined up behind this ethics reform as weak as it was. Each week we get together with the Better Government Association. David Greising is the president and CEO. Uh, and David, we have focused on what uh, did happen during the uh, waning hours of the legislative session. One big thing didn't happen, but apparently will sometime in the next several weeks. Lawmakers will come back to Springfield for some sort of a deal on energy, ostensibly to promote green energy, to move Illinois toward a, a greener, more renewable energy future. But a lot of the focus on this is going to be on what's in it for Exelon. Uh, just a few years ago, Exelon won uh, subsidies from the state uh, to keep some nuclear plants plants open. They're once again threatening to shut down nuke plants and eliminate those jobs unless they get more help from the state. There has been a real dispute over how much money they should get. Now, apparently, there's some kind of deal, but we don't really know yet exactly what it means for ratepayers and taxpayers. What what can you tell us? Well, as you say, there's a deal and things can change a lot as as we uh, get into the finer details and get to the final vote and, and all that. Um, it looked like as if this was going to go through, and then Senator Senate President Donna Harmon uh, put a brick on it to prevent it from happening. The big holdup has been the future of Prairie State Energy, one of the nation's uh, biggest coal uh, coal burners, biggest uh, carbon dioxide producers, uh, et cetera. Um, the trouble is this Prairie State Energy, which was slated to be closed, along with all the other coal-fired plants in the state by 2035, Prairie State Energy was funded by municipalities around the state that are customers of the plant and uh, sold bonds in order to support the plant. Um, and they, there apparently was some pushback from you know, Don Harmon named Laura Elman of Naperville as one of the senators who said, hold on, uh, Mr. President, this, if, this, if we shut this place down, our municipality will end up holding the bag for these bonds that were sold. And um, that becomes a problem for those municipalities. So there's a carve out, uh, apparently, for Prairie State Energy. 
and Commonwealth Edison got uh, uh, about half of what it was looking for in terms of state subsidies uh, for the nuclear plants that it plans to shut down. It, it, a, per, a particular attention has been focused on the Dresden and Byron plants, but ComEd now will get $600 million over five years, apparently, in ratepayer subsidies in order to keep those plants going. This was a big objective of unionized workers in the state who uh, are fighting desperately to keep all of these nukes going. Um, they're doing it under the guise of a clean energy push, which is fair enough because nuclear energy is cleaner than coal-fired plants. Uh, but they're also doing it in the in the self-interest of saving as many jobs as they possibly can and putting the weight of that on ratepayers who now will have to pony up to the tune, apparently, of $600 million over five years in order to prevent a profit-making and highly profitable company like Exelon from shutting down its nuclear plants. And uh, we have heard this invoked at times during the, the buildup to this about, uh, you know, giving more to Exelon when they and their subsidiary, Commonwealth Edison, are at the heart of this bribery scandal that has been uh, inching up to the doorstep of former House Speaker Mike Madigan. And yet when all is said and done, it seems like Exelon still holds a lot of cards and still gets to call a lot of shots. They're getting everything they want, but they're going to still get what sounds like a fairly sweet deal. No, they will. And, and they're not to be trifled with or, or underestimated in Springfield. They have incredible uh, uh, lobbying power. And their trick this time was teaming up with the unions in order to make this about saving jobs and not about and to avoid being punished for this wide ranging public corruption investigation that is still playing out before our very eyes. And so, yes, they're formidable in Springfield. They still are. The taint of the scandal apparently had very little impact on their ability to get things done. Things that are being done in their self-interest, not really in the interest of, of ratepayers, uh, possibly in the, in the interest, though, of their unionized workforce. And we'll be watching this very closely, too. If there's a carve-out for uh, Prairie State Energy, we have to see if uh, a similar carve-out is going to be uh, made for uh, Springfield City Water, Light, and Power, a municipal utility with its own coal-fired plant, and exactly the same situation of bonds that would extend far past the life of the plant if the plant would have to close down early because of this legislation. Uh, and so if uh, if that deal is going to be given to uh, this, uh, this big company down in southern Illinois, uh, you know that folks here in Springfield are going to want the same deal as well. Whether we get it or not, we'll see when the bill finally comes forward. Right. Dave, and the, the latest what? reporting, Jim, has been that, that it looks like the Springfield plant likely will get that carve up. But like you say, that that's not a done deal just yet. All right. We're keeping a very close eye on that. David, we're unfortunately out of time. Wanted to talk a bit about this elected Chicago school board rule. I'll try to pick that up next week when we return for another edition of Full Disclosure. In the meantime, let people know how they reach you and the BGA the rest of the week. I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And my website is bettergov.org. And we're here each week, full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. David, thank you so much, and we'll talk soon. Thank you.